Welcome to Newsworthy with Norisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, today we're talking about the new movie, Last Days in the Desert, starring Ewan McGregor, and we're talking with the writer and the director of this movie, Rodrigo Garcia. Uh, in the conversation, which, by the way, it's it's so much easier doing a podcast about a movie than it is about a book. Um, I don't know what I was thinking, always doing books, when I could just do movies, because there's less reading involved. So that in itself was awesome. Uh, second of all, in the conversation, we reference a, um, a scene which was edited out of the final um, version of the movie that's in theaters. And so uh, we talked about a scene that would have made the movie an R-rated movie, but it's really a PG-13 movie. And that's because they edited something out that would have raised the rating on the movie. Just FYI, when you hear us in the conversation talk about that, that's what's going on. But without further ado, it's time to talk uh, to Mr. Rodrigo Garcia about Last Days in the Desert, which um, it's open soon, which is why you get a special podcast on uh, Wednesday like a bonus two podcasts one week because this movie is coming out this weekend so go check it out all right all right friends welcome back to the show today we have uh, joining us from i believe southern california uh rodrigo garcia how are you sir i'm good thank you yes i'm in los angeles los angeles that's right and uh, originally you're from Col- columbia is that right uh, i was born in columbia my parents are colombian but i grew up mostly in mexico city Okay. Uh, when did you move to L.A.? Um, I w- I've been here in a couple of installments. I was here for film school in the when I was in my mid to late 20s, but I've been here full-time now for 25 years. Okay. And where did you go to film, sc- film school? The American Film Institute. Okay. Well, you've got a new movie that's just about to come out called Last Days in the Desert, and it's a film that uh, I was able to check out last week down in uh, when I was in L.A. myself. And uh, it's a great movie, and I'm very uh, excited to talk to you about it. Thank you very much. Now, I so I've looked at uh, some of your, uh, your your work that you've done before, and most of your previous movies seem to uh, focus on female characters. They're contemporary, more realistic movies, and this seems to be—is it fair to say—a um, a venture outside of what you usually do? Yeah, I mean, I you know I don't know. Uh, I suppose after having done some of those movies, I was ready to do something different. I knew that I certainly wanted to do something with male characters as opposed to female characters. I I wanted to um, try something else, but I I didn't set out to write something so, you know, outside of, of, I guess, what you would call the the comfort zone Um, and write not just a period piece with supernatural elements, but, you know, basically a story about Jesus. So, yes, it was a huge change for me. Now, I read online that you grew up Catholic. Is that correct? Well, I'm, you know, my parents were not practicing Catholics, uh, you know, but we grew up in a Catholic world, you know, Colombia, Mexico, yeah. some years in Spain. So, yes, I mean, the, 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 the Christian faith and the Catholic religion were, um, you know, very, very known to me. Mm-hmm. Did you have a desire to always write something that would be a more uh, re- religiously influenced piece, or was that this just a story that captivated you that you had to write? Um, I did consider at some point over the years, you know, making a movie about the story of um, Jacob and Abraham. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, not from a religious point of view, from sort of a story, father, son, from a from a uh, um, you know allegorical point of view. Um, but um, but no, never anything about Jesus. You know, it's so it's so hard, I think, to talk about Jesus and and you know I, I didn't want the film to be about religion or about my point of view of Christianity. You know, I, I really wanted it to be a story about fathers and sons. Obviously, Jesus is arguably the most famous son ever of the most famous father. So, you know, yeah. it's not like you could go into it and ignore the facts. So if Jesus is in your movie, your movie is about Jesus. But I did not set out to make a you know, a, a, a faith-based movie or a Christian movie or a biblical movie per se. It was a movie mm-hmm. about themes that interested me, but that I, you know, I, I put I put Jesus in the middle of it. You just said that it's hard to talk about Jesus. Um, as a filmmaker, as a writer, director, what makes it so challenging to talk about Jesus? Well, I think there are many factors. First of all, you know, People know or seem to know or think they know so much about him. Second, there are no two interpretations that are the same. So it's both familiar and endlessly debated, the nature of Jesus, the experience of Jesus. You know, from a historical, from a religious, from a theological, you know, it, it can be seen from many, even from a literary. You know, there's there's a there's an argument to be made that for some people Jesus is, is a character in a book called the gospels um that can be interpreted even in hist- in, in story terms in literary terms um, so so you know i think i think it's it's a hard character to deal with also i think if you make a movie with jesus in it people tend to assume oh it's either for or against you know it's either a christian movie or an anti-christian movie um, which, which you know, tends to define or reduce your movie. You know, I don't think this movie is is a Christian movie, strictly speaking, or an anti-Christian movie. Um, so yes, that's, there's always that risk in that. You know, that the Christians might find it too secular, and and the non-religious or the non-Christians might find it too Christian. Yeah, I could definitely see that tension. My day job is as a pastor in Austin, Texas. And one of the things I struggle with is every Christmas and every Easter, I tell the same story. And, you know, doing this for 10, 15 years, um, you're telling the same story over and over again. And at some point you think, you need to have a fresh take on it, but it's not like the, the story itself is changing. And I can only imagine what it's like in your situation because people have told the Jesus story over and over again that to have you know a fresh take on it, which I think this this movie does, um, would not be the easiest thing to do, especially trying to to balance that. Is this a Christian movie? Is this? And I've heard you elsewhere say that you wanted a movie that non-believers can still connect to because of the the bigger father son dynamic, which you obviously make is the the main theme of the movie. Yeah, well, I also help my cause by, you know, picking three days that are not accounted for in the Gospels. You know, it's 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 clearly at the end of a very well-known chapter, which are the 40 days in the desert, and just before, you know, returning and, and starting on the ministry, uh, you know, in, in earnest, so to speak. So mm-hmm. it is it is a crucial point, you know, it, it's, it's that... Uh, 
it's it's the day before the ministry begins. Let's put it that way. In some ways, I came to think of the of the episode as I was editing the movie, or writing, shooting, editing the movie, as a kind of adolescence of Jesus. Of course, he's not an adolescent in the movie. He's probably around thirty years old. But mm-hmm. it was that time where he was just coming into his own as someone who was ready to try his hand at being, you know, a a. Uh, 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 you know, a leader, a a a spiritual guide, or a rabbi, as it was some sometimes said in those terms. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and um, and so I picked those three days. You know, just a little interlude before what we know and after what we know to be. Now, did you do um, you know any historical work of? you know, reading scholarship or anything about uh, Jesus' time in the desert that influenced your writing, or did you just lean upon uh, the religious environment that you grew up in? Well, I, I mean, I read, I read, um, you know, what is in the Gospels, and I, I don't think the mm-hmm. 40 days are in every Gospel. Um, mm-hmm. Correct. And, and, then I read, and then I read, you know, his, you know, books that approached uh, Jesus from a more historical point of view, and then, of course, books that were more about theology and the meaning of that stay in the desert. But, you know, luckily for me and for Ewan, who also, you know, read a lot of the books, no two books are the same and no two takes are the same. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that again, that gives you some freedom of interpretation. You know, you know what the origin of the man is and you know what the destiny is. Um, Mm -hmm. But you have this capsule of three days where you can take some liberties. You can't take all liberties, because mm-hmm. it has to fit the narrative, hopefully. Um, but um, but yeah, the more you study, the more you read, the more you said, okay, like you know, like I suppose, like any pastor, you have to have your own take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think in the first century, they, the Jewish term would have been midrash, where you you take a story and then you put your yeah. spin on it and. Um, I don't mean the word spin in a derogatory sense, but I think that's what you know first century rabbi was doing with their te- their sacred texts that they they read and they taught. And I think that uh, I, I like the way that uh, the way that you told the story and the way you told the story from my perspective as someone who, who watched the movie. It seemed like the emphasis was not on Jesus, uh, the divine side, uh, which obviously people of faith hold to, but more his human side. Was that intentional? Yes, because again, my main my main focus of interest were fathers and sons, and the relationship between you know God the Father and God the Son, and the man in the desert with his son, and then Jesus becoming a sort of father figure to the boy, and uh, and the father becoming a father figure to Jesus. You know, there's a whole bunch of combinations there of uh, of fathers and sons. So. You know, because that was my interest, I looked at the human side of Jesus. And beyond that, you know, how do you dramatize the divine side? How is that played? You know, I'd seen movies where, you know, the divine side is attempted, and the result is a Jesus so ethereal, so rarefied, that he rarely seems, he barely seems human. You know, he's moving among the other people almost like a ghost, and and I yeah. thought, well, that that's, doesn't appeal to me, you know. Whatever Jesus was, he was at least half human. And, you know, we know that he was 
a poor person and he led other poor people and what mattered were the ideas. So we just concentrated on the human side and we figured if he's been in the desert for 40 days, he must be walking out looking like a homeless person. Mm-hmm. You know, he doesn't come out looking squeaky clean walking on air, you know. So so it, it wasn't to put him down. We just concentrated on the human side and the human side is very human and poor and sleeping in the ground on the desert. You know, I don't know yeah. how to dramatize the divine side. How do I wrap my mind around that? How does God talk or walk? Yeah, well, I've got no idea, and I talk about God for a living, so um, I don't I don't blame you at all. And it definitely did come across the humanity of Jesus in this film. And there's even a point where uh, the devil character accuses him of not doing a miracle when he could, and... So there is some subtle references to the more divine side, especially in that one encounter where the devil says you could have done something more than you did. Um, So you just decided that. that... But that is also the kind of challenge that the devil would pose just to, you know, like he did in the desert to destabilize, you know, just like he said, Mm -hmm. you can fly off this cliff and, and, you know, God will, God will catch you. You won't die. Um, you know, that is the kind of thing where it's like, you know, why do you deny your power? Why don't you save this man? And, uh, you know, and Jesus ignores yeah. it. It's a, it's a provocation. Oh, okay. Interesting. Well, it, you, it, um, it, might, it, might, it might be that he could have saved the father. And in that case, the question is, why didn't he? Well, I didn't know if I was allowed to say that. I didn't want to spoil the movie. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely a, a, a fair question. And I think your connection well, you to the feel, biblical text. Feel free te- to edit that part out. It, it, it's your movie, not mine. So you can say whatever you want. No, 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 um, no, you, no. If it's going to spoil that part, edit it. Nah, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Okay, so obviously the the devil character and the the holy man Jesus character are played by the same actor. Where did that idea initially come from of having that being the same person? Well, initially the only characters in the movie were Jesus and the father and the and the father's son, the boy. Um, mm-hmm. But I realized that the movie was going to be too limited and claustrophobic if I just had three people talking. And since the father and the son weren't talking to each other, then basically it was just going to be two sets of conversations. And I also, because I was distilling everything to its minimum, to the nuclear family, I thought I need the mother. And then the mother, of course, you know, brings in a whole other dynamic in her relationship with the other three men. But none of these people knew who Jesus was. I needed someone who knew who he was so that he could draw out a conversation with Jesus. And, you know, the only candidate for that, which is in the Gospels, of course, is Lucifer. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, and I thought, well, I'll present Lucifer, and how on earth am I going to physicalize this fellow? So I thought I'll do it. You know, he appears to Jesus in Jesus' own form, which is easy, and you can even say, oh, what a lazy idea. But the truth is it turned out to be a quite a dramatic idea because it must be unsettling to see yourself with your voice and body saying to you you are not good enough you are not up to the task you're a failure oh yeah oh yeah definitely uh as a pastor and a person i can speak to this um that most of us hear the most negativity in our own head uh, more than what anyone else says yeah, to us so yeah. it's a really in- interesting yeah, it's no, a great what, dramatization. What, what, what I was going to say is, you know, I think 
non-religious or non-Christian people who see the movie feel that the the demon, as he is known in the movie, that you know this demon is is um is just that shadow, you know, that voice that tells you that you're not good enough. I of course wrote the movie as if it was a chapter in a gospel, so you know I treated him like a true demon. You know, I wasn't I wasn't mm-hmm. just being cute, thinking, oh, this is just a dark voice. No, I I've, I literally treated him as a demon. Yeah. No, I, I, I got that sense as well. Uh, you said originally the movie was just uh, Jesus, Father, Son, so it was very small. Uh, you obviously mm-hmm. added the, the mother character who was great in it, uh, great actress. Yeah, and... Yaleza Rare, an excellent Israeli actress. Oh, yeah, I, I know that you've worked with her a lot, and she's uh, very talented. Uh, so obviously, yeah. but still, it's it's three people, you know, or, excuse me, four four actors in the movie. Um, and then you're shot in in the desert, which I guess was in California. Just uh, what is it, Anza Borrego? Anza Borrego Desert. Yes, it's a state park, a couple of hours yeah. uh, east of San Diego, and really a beautiful place. I considered, you know, deserts from around the world: Mexico, Argentina, the United Arab Emirates, Israel. Uh, I never really considered the U.S. initially because I did not want to shoot in places like. Utah or Arizona or New Mexico or Colorado, which have beautiful deserts but are very western looking deserts you know i didn't want mm-hmm. I didn't want it to look like a cowboy movie um but then finally, I discovered this place that ironically was just a four hour drive from my house yeah, and it was great it's almost like it was a, a character in itself for the movie, but it, like you're saying it's a it's a smaller movie. I read somewhere that you uh, hardly use any lighting. You use mostly just the natural yeah, I mean, lighting of I the mean, desert. Yes, I mean that. That of course is, sounds bold, but it's a little less bold if your cameraman is one of the best cameramen in the world. Um, you know, we shot yeah. it practically like a documentary. You know, we had very few grip equipment, no electrical equipment. I mean, except inside the tent, which was one day. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I mean, really, really, very, very, uh, very much like. A natural light. How how do you think that affects the story when it's shot like the 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 movie shot in in a small intimate way? Do you think that represents what this struggle would have been like? Well, look, I think a movie can be shot in very many different ways, and all that matters is the result. And I know for Ewan, because he has said so, you know, at any time in the shoot while we were prepping something, he could walk away fifty yards or around the hill. And be there, there he was in the middle of that planet, you know. So it was very inspiring, I think. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. Well, it was, you know, it was a beautiful setting. Um, it, it really set a nice backdrop to it. Um, and and obviously in that you have this beautiful setting, but then you have this horrifying character of the devil who is antagonizing. Uh, Jesus, and one of the things that he's going back to is the tension with Jesus and the Father. And did, did you feel like the tension existed beforehand, or was the devil the character that insinuated the tension between the Father and the Son, as in God and Jesus? Well, I mean, I again, I'm trying to imagine, you know, the human side. How is mm-hmm. Jesus like me? How am I like Jesus? You know, of course, you know, you can argue that Jesus has a direct line to his father, but how is mm-hmm. that line manifested? You know, it, it is never stated in the gospel that Jesus heard voices, meaning he did not 
literally speaking words with his father, um, you know, it must have been a connection the likes of which we cannot understand. Um, but as a human, I thought there must have been days where he was unable to have that connection. That's just something I posited in the movie. You know, some days God is more silent than others, even for Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I thought, well, those must be very despairing days. You know, if he went to the desert to fully open lines of communication with his father and for some reason is unable to, um, not because the father is neglectful, but because sometimes you can connect and other times you cannot. You know, it might be your own fault. Um, you know, so I, 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 that was sort of a given that he was coming out of the desert not fully having connected. He had connected with a lot of what is universal and what is divine by virtue of fasting and praying and being in the desert, but he hadn't connected 100%. And what I came to suspect when the making of the movie is that he had not connected 100% because where he was, there were no people. And that he had to spend some time with people, interacting with people, feeling for people, having a sense of people's problems, having a sense of what it's like to be a person living, that that was the final ingredient for that teacher to grow. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, I definitely you know, can see that that. That, that, that. that he went to the desert to find God and found a lot of God, but you can't find God altogether unless, you know, God is also where people are with all their problems, with all their messy relationships, with all their knuckleheadedness. So yeah. I think the la the, his final, you know, he went to the desert and found 95% God, and the last 5% he found where people live and die. Hmm. That's good. Yeah. I mean, uh, obviously the the Christian texts um, have this phrase in there in First John about how can you love God who you don't see and not love your brother who you do see? I mean, obviously well, that, the that way is, that... Well, that is, I think, where the idea came from. You know, Jesus' um, message, his philosophy, is so about the other, mm -hmm. me and the other, you know, you and me. You know, turn the cheek, love others like you love yourself. You know, it's so much about the other that I I did not imagine that a place like the desert where there is no other could totally feed him. You know, he needed yeah. that encounter with the other mm -hmm. so that after yeah, that he would be more ready to go back and, and start yeah. the mission. The uh, the great Catholic priest Henry Nouwen talked about the rhythm of Jesus using Luke's gospel of you go to the wilderness, but the wilderness is a place where you connect with God, but it always ends up with you back in community with people afterwards. Well, and I, so there's a cycle someone, of somebody said somebody said that. Yeah, Henry Henry Nouwen, a, a very well known uh, well, scholar I, and I, Catholic I priest. I discovered that, you know, I stumbled into that, you know, and and not even. I didn't write it like that. I came to understand that as I was writing and making the movie, that the wilderness hmm. only took Jesus most of the way, but not all the way. He needed to spend some time in the messy world of people, including some of, you know, he undertook this idea that he wanted to help this boy. But by helping, he also hurt a little bit. You know, he, the, the demon, mm -hmm. on the one hand, the demon says to him, 
let's make a wager. Let's let me see if you can untangle this family problem. And apart, aside from the wager also, Jesus is saying, I'd like to help this boy. And in the end, he untangles the family problem and helps the boy by giving the boy what the boy wants, to go away. But there yeah. has been a cost to all this. So yeah. in dealing with human affairs, which are messy, you do it messily. You know, there's an argument to be made that perhaps he shouldn't have meddled. But, you know, that's just an argument. Again, yeah. human things are messy. And and I think, you know, at least the human side of Jesus would have been drawn towards, you know, human things, however messy. Yeah. You just said that you discovered this while you were writing the process about, you know, Jesus needing community, needing people. Um, was this process, as you're writing it, was it an exploratory thing where along the way you, you obviously said you learned something. Uh, was it something that, that opened your eyes to an element or facet of Jesus's life or his person that you didn't know beforehand? Well, nothing in particular, but, you know, obviously in, in, in creating this Jesus, the one that is in this movie— you know, mm -hmm. I, I came to to know and understand this person, which is only, of course, half baked in the script. Then Ewan steps in and and brings you know the the Ewanness to it, which is not just the good mm -hmm. acting, but that great empathy that he has and that sense of a regular guy that you really connect to, that cares about you and that you can care about. Mm hmm. Yeah, I've heard you say that before about him, that he has empathy, a very empathetic uh, yeah. person, character, actor. And uh, yeah, I, I could see where you're you're coming from. You see Jesus' humanity in that. And obviously part of Jesus' humanity is that he was tempted, uh, according to the Christian text, uh, they say that he was tempted in every way that we are tempted. Yeah. And part of my—I know some of my Christian audience is going to watch the movie, or maybe they, they, uh, they might see the rating for it, which— I don't know what rating's going to get, but because of some of the nudity in it, um, I'm assuming it's going to get an R rating. And some of my Christian audience um, is going I, to I think, not— I think, um, I think um, I'm not sure. I think it might actually have a PG-13 because we might, we might have a—I'm not sure. There might be a version without the nudity. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Well, then I— And again, so I, as think a, it's fair, a, I think it's fair, I think it's fair to say— that the nudity in it is not sexual, you know. There is no, there no, is, not at all. Yes, I mean it's it's nudity in a certain set of circumstances, but no, there are no sexual scenes in the movie. Yeah, no, not at all. The Christian audience would wonder, like, what's the benefit of putting that in? Uh, and as an artist yourself, I I would be interested in knowing how that. Uh, well, obviously, if you took it out, you don't think that it it hurt the narrative of the movie. Well, I think you know there. one of one of them, of course, and I think it was worth it was. Uh, you know, because there's a temptation, you know, and, yeah. and Jesus was tempted and, and the demon, the, you know, Satan tempted him mightily. So, you know, I think it was worth putting a situation that is not sexual, but sexually suggestive in the sense that it is a temptation and that we see Jesus struggling with, but ultimately, and this is the most important thing, turning against the temptation. So, mm -hmm. you know, that I think was worth it. Um, and the other nudity, you know, involves someone who has died. So it's not really a sexual context. It's not, 
you know, I just, I just wanted, again, yeah. it, it, it was, it was around the idea that, you know, this, these are human people. These are people of, of flesh and blood. But again, they are not sexual situations in exploitative ways. Yeah, I, I, I agree with what you're saying there, uh, definitely. And so it's the first scene was obviously a scene in which Jesus is being tempted. Uh, you, you see the temptation in a more real way. Um, I, I can understand that argument for sure. Um, so w- the devil shows up. He's tempting Jesus. Uh, he's tempting him about the uh, the relationship with the Father. He's tempting him uh, to be scared. He's tempting him to all, all these other things. But at the end of the movie, he quotes or he references the the, the passage in Scripture that G- that the the accuser, the devil, left and to return at a more opportune time. I think huh? in the movie, the line was, you know, return, uh, I'll return in the end and I'll get you down or something along yeah. those lines. Yeah, I'll help you down if you want. Yeah, yeah. So that's a big temptation. Is that why you wanted to jump to the crucifixion scene at the end? No, I, I wanted to jump to the crucifixion scene because I wanted my story and the actual story in the Gospels to cross at a certain point. You know, okay. I didn't want my story to be in a bubble where someone might say, but is that, or how does that, no, I wanted, you know, I wanted the two stories to cross, but I wanted to visit the crucifixion in a way that it still echoed some of the story of this movie. So I put in, you know, that apparition um, of, of a bird, and uh, I think it remains to every um, audience member to interpret it. Yeah. You don't well, want to explain I, everything in a world that cannot be explained. You know, the world of Jesus, you, you, you can't have all the answers even if you're writing the story. That's a really good line. Listen, even, even, ex- even the four, even, even, even the four, um, even the four evangelists mm-hmm. don't agree on certain things. Yep. That's great. I think, uh, I think we should end on that. That's a, that's a fascinating idea. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Like this movie, I continue to think about this movie. I watched it last Friday. It's uh, you know, four or five days later, and I've continued to think about this movie, which I don't know if that you're, that's your goal as a, as a, as a writer-director. Believe but it me. Definitely... Any, those are my movies that I like, the ones I'm thinking about the next day. Most movies, you go to see them, and after dinner, you forgot that you went to the movies. Well, you know. uh, consider yourself a success in my eyes because I've continued to think <laughs> about this. So thank you for the time. Thank you for the movie. Thank you very uh, much. I really appreciate it. All, All right. right. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. You are now adjourned. <laughs>